You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. No one comes into this world wanting to be an addict, wanting to have diabetes, wanting to have a chemical imbalance, you know, wanting to have any sort of struggle. No one comes into this earth wanting these types of struggles. So from that viewpoint, I'm not judging one side or the other. There's no judgment whatsoever. My guest today is named Beth Gardner, and I've struggled to come up with an intro for her to sum her up in a few short words, but she is a cancer survivor. She is a life coach. She's lived in multiple countries. She's a really incredible woman. Please welcome to the show, Beth Gardner. Um, so what I'm currently doing, is I'm working as a life coach uh, on two different paths that incidentally are very similar um, in the approaches that I use. I'm working with non-addicts. So these are people that have not had um, addiction within their lifetime, but have been surrounded by it, whether it be through work or um, extracurricular activities and the educational environment, uh, corporate America. It's a wide variety. And I'm working with these people to provide them a non-judgmental, confidential sounding board um, for them to actually speak freely um, about their questions, their concerns, and to provide them solutions, sort of a path towards healing, um, a roadmap, if you will, um, so that they can uh, work towards their own path. Excellent. And I'd read some of the notes that you had sent me before the episode, and you alluded to the fact that uh, your your parents struggled with, with uh, some chemical dependency issues. Do you think that that's part of the reason that you got into this? Is this what, what drew you to researching and finding out more about uh, the kind of the role that the support people play and what uh, what kind of help that you might need as someone that is affected by someone in active addiction? Correct. Well, what actually it stemmed from was back in 2000, November of 2000, I was training for what would have been my first marathon, first and only marathon. A year prior to that, I had uh, retired from the elite sport of rowing. So I had been training with world-class athletes, many of which were previous Olympians. I had not earned a berth on the national team at that point, nor had been to the Olympics, but I um, had retired from that sport in 99 and November of 2000, after going to a breast surgeon, I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. And it was a non-genetic form. Uh, so what behooved me on the entire situation was how can someone who is that physically fit? And I was literally, I remember at that time, a very low weight and probably about 12% body fat just from training for the marathon. So anyone training for a marathon is going to be in incredible shape regardless of their body type. But I thought, how on earth did I get cancer? Because my entire life, I'd been an athlete since the age of, um, since second grade. I had also been a dancer and a dance for a company in Philadelphia. So I'd always been pretty conscious about what I ate simply because if I wasn't, 
it would it would come back to haunt me, you know, whether it be through stomach cramps or a poor performance um, or just feeling lethargic. So when I got once I got through the two rounds of chemotherapy, which were very aggressive, and then I had radiation by July of 2001, I was done with all treatment. And that's when I really started to do research as to why someone like myself, who's literally like was the picture of a health, healthy human being, would get sick to that degree. And at that point in time, I had never had a broken bone. Um, I had I had a herniated disc at one point, but that was an injury I was able to overcome. But I just never got injured. And also, I just didn't get like the cold or the flu every year like everyone else. So. I started to read a book called You Can Heal Your Life, and it's by the late Louise Hay. And we can provide uh, listeners a link to that book. Um, But what she did was she studied all the different diseases um, from cancer to, you know, addiction um, and tried to figure out the metaphysical reasoning for them getting it to begin with. And so breast cancer, interestingly enough, if you think about addiction, listen to what her viewpoint of breast cancer was. Um, It represents mothering and nurturing or nourishment. And so it was the lack of mothering, nurturing, or nourishment throughout throughout a certain period of time. Um, Breast cancer is a creation of lumps. It's the refusal to receive nourishment or not having received the right type of nourishment through a course of time during someone's life. Um, It's from usually people that have put everyone else first in their life. Very true to that of enablers or codependents. They always put the addict first, right? So, um, and it's also associated with overmothering, overprotection and it being overbearing. Then I researched what she, her definition or reasoning was for getting the cancer. And it's from long-term deep hurt, long-lasting resentment, deep secrets, deep grief, eating away at the self, um, and carrying too many burdens. Again, if you listen to those explanations, how similar are they to that of enablers or codependents? And so when I started to do research on alcoholism and any type of addiction. And again, I had just seen it in almost every area that I've been in. And it seemed the higher I climbed, whether it was academically, whether it was through a career path or through sports, the more troubled people I would cross, whether it be a chemical imbalance or some type of addiction. And when I say addiction, I mean prescription, I mean pornography, I mean, anything that you can really be addicted to, food, um, shopping, it's it's a wide range the way I'm looking at it. So that's initially what stemmed my revelation and my interest in getting to understand more about not just all the addiction, but also those on the other side of it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I would love to hear from you from from your side from your perspective of the of the codependency and and what it's like to to experience the manipulation and the shame and stuff because I don't have personal experience on that side of it you know I have the the lived experience of of being a, a recovering drug addict and I know what it's like to to be on that side and 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 like the mental aspects and and what it's like 
to experience that, but I have no idea what it's like to be on the other side, to be the, the friend or the family member of someone that's going through that kind of situation. So I would love to hear more about that. Well, as you know, from your experience with addiction and probably other people that you've crossed paths with towards your journey to getting sober or having a healthy life, right? I'm sure you've met some extraordinary people in your path. Um, From my experience, an addict, regardless of, again, of what type it is, so we're, I'm looking at the whole gamut of types of addictions. It's not just alcohol and hardcore drugs. They will say, pull at heartstrings, um, do whatever they think they can, verbalize it however they want to, to manipulate, maneuver, um, be deceptive, often fraudulent toward those that are trying to help them, to those that they know that they can get the money or can get the drug. And they are actually really good. Um, they have strong interpersonality, interpersonal skills. So they're very good at reading people. They know which people will play the enabler role, which person will buy into their need for needing money or um, you know, whatever lie that they give. But they know how to verbalize or create a scenario um, to get an individual to provide them again that that money or whatever addiction that they have. Um, they will use shame. They will shame an individual, um, you know, saying things like, you don't love me. Um, you're so difficult. They will place blame on the actual um, non-addict trying to put them down in, again, in order to overpower them and uh, have that non-addict provide them what they want. Um, so there are a variety of different tactics, you know, deceptive tactics that are that are used by the addict. And they study their prey very well. And I do call them prey, um, where they are actually preying on an individual to get, again, get to get what they want. And at the end of the day, as you know from probably your own experiences, you know, at the end of the day, what really you're focused on, even just subconsciously, is that feeding that addiction. Everything else you're doing is almost like busy stuff. But at the end of the day, you really want that. You want to feed that addiction and do whatever it takes to get it. Um, So they are master manipulators. They are very good at reading people and they know which ones and it's usually the closest family members or friends that they will repeatedly um, try to maneuver, you know, indirectly manipulate, be deceptive, fraudulent, or abusive to, you know, any type of ta- tactic, if you will, to get um, the end result to feed that addiction. I can agree with with what you just said. You know, for from my personal experience, you know. It, I think the core of it is that self-centeredness, you know, it's that it doesn't matter what links I have to go to. It doesn't matter who I have to screw over as long as I can get what I need, as long as I can get what I want, you know, I I need to fill that void. I need to do whatever it takes. So you mentioned that you're doing some life coaching now and you're, you're, you're working with people that are, are, closely connected with people that are in active addiction, what kind of services do you offer for them? What kind of um, benefits or 
what kind of uh, what kind of goals and and what kind of successes have you seen in in that area? Um, my approach to it is, and if I can just back up to explain possibly to the reason why I've decided to create this is back during you know when I was going through my five year recovery to remission from cancer, and I was um, getting involved in Al-Anon meetings. There were a wide couple variety of ones that I would go to um, out of curiosity and to understand more about addiction. I went ahead and went to AA meetings just because I wanted to see what they were doing in their meetings uh, and make a comparison between the two. And when I initially went to Al-Anon meetings, I, the room, the energy was very um, remote. It was very, I felt like I was surrounded by people that had been emotionally spiritually, financially um, drained. And it's an anonymous meeting, as, as many people know. So I couldn't go there with, say, my yellow pad of questions and ask openly ask questions in an effort to receive, you know, answers to my, many of my sort of burning questions on it so that I could learn and understand more about it. So when I went to the Al-Anon meeting, the AA meeting, what was interesting was these people were the energy was at a much higher vibration level. And these people were um, relieved to no longer have the burden on their shoulder of the addiction. They were talking about plans they were making with their lives. They were supporting about one another. They were supporting one another, cheering one another on. Um, and But they weren't discussing the people that they had manipulated and hurt along that path or prior to getting sober. So that was part of my sort of back study on understanding not only addiction, but also understanding what um, other people that had not been out, but had an addiction life, what they were going through. And if I can also just say, I don't, I, I say this to everyone and I do mean it. I, no one comes into this world wanting to be an addict, wanting to have diabetes, wanting to have, a chemical imbalance, you know, wanting to have any sort of struggle, wanting to be handicapped, wanting to be blind, to be deaf. No one comes into this earth wanting these types of struggles. So from that viewpoint, I'm not judging one side or the other. There's no judgment whatsoever. Um, if, if anything, I feel badly for people that are born into this world with the DNA to become an addict, to potentially become an addict or the DNA to have some type of chemical imbalance, such as bipolar, the clinical depression, schizophrenia, um, borderline personality disorder. Nobody asked to come in to be, to, to have that happen. Uh, um, so I, I feel badly for people that, that do have it. So again, I'm looking at this from a non-judgmental standpoint. So while I was getting, going to the Al-Anon meetings in the AA, I was living in a city with world-class hospitals. So I went to psychiatrists, psychologists, social workers, people that were recommended to me in an effort to, again, sit down with a professional, come with my, my yellow pad of questions and hope that they can provide me answers to my curious you know, questions, which in, in a, at the end of the day, were going to take me down a path towards healing. No one offered me a roadmap towards healing. All of them were licensed to work with addicts. 
none of them had the experience to work with people on the other side. And to me, I mean, I'm, I'm a Libra, so we're always balancing. We're very justice people. It just didn't seem right. Why in America are we spending millions of dollars where an addict can go to a tropical location and get services to become, you know, a detox from whatever addiction that is, get one-on-one personal help, stay there as long as they need to. Then once they leave are offered, you know, an apartment or a place safe that they can go to so they don't have to go back to their family. Why is all this offered to addicts, but not to people that are on the other side of it? Because they're hurting just as much. They're the individuals that, that um, fear on a daily basis that one day they're going to get a call or, you know, they're going to get a text in modern, you know, modern technology that their loved one has passed on from an addiction. That's that's always the greatest fear of of the person on the other side, which is usually, you know, a close friend or family member. Um, It's, you know, so I I couldn't understand that. So I couldn't get help from professionals because they're all licensed for addiction. But for some reason, they hadn't taken that term, all that knowledge and turned it around. And so that's why, you know, I've taken it upon myself to start this life coaching. To be that one person that's saying, okay, fine, let me help the individuals that were like myself who may not even realize how deeply affected their life has been because of being surrounded by it um, and, and provide them what I needed, which was a confidential, you know, sounding board, a safe place that they could let out whatever that was on their mind and also receive a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month roadmap designed for them that will set them towards healing. Um, so that's that's where it stemmed from, not being able to find the help. I do have a, a minor, a um, my BS is in psychology. Um, and then I also am licensed as a certified coach. So I have those credentials, but I'm also someone that's walked the walk, which makes me all the more credible. You know, someone can be licensed as an addiction counselor, but if, I mean, let's face it, if they haven't walked the walk, are you going to want advice from them? I mean, you personally, having been on the other side of it, would you want, you want someone who's walked the walk. Yeah, absolutely. Someone that when you shut that door, you can say anything at any tone that you want to just let it out, yell, scream if you have to, and, and verbalize what is on your mind. And that's another characteristic of non-addicts is because we are trained to suppress and hide that addiction that's you know associated with with someone that we care about uh, many times the emotions are so repressed that we can't even verbalize it it's it's too hard now to verbalize it because you can't there's so much emotion you can't organize it in your mind and, and, and let it out. You don't even know how to let go. You know, I, I had to learn how to set boundaries. I had to understand what they meant by boundaries. Then I had to learn how to set boundaries. Then I had to learn how to let go. Someone says you need to let go. I'm like, I don't need to sound stupid. But how do you let go? Explain to me what, you know, visually explain to me what you mean by letting go. So that's, um, again, I go back to the to the coaching that I'm offering you know, I'm not a typical life coach. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a, 
using the title life coach, but I'm more importantly helping people that are that are been on the other side of addiction. And I know there are a lot of them out there, particularly with this pandemic. Does that make any sense? Yes, it definitely, definitely makes sense. And I'm glad we were able to connect. I've, I've looked and there's so few resources out there for the friends or family of, of addicts, you know, like you mentioned, there's Al-Anon, which I, 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 I'm not overly familiar with Al-Anon, but besides that, I don't know of a whole lot of other resources that are out there. And I, I love that, that you're taking this approach to do some one-on-one work with people that may still be struggling with some of these things, you know, cause I think like, like you've mentioned and you've touched on, um, as addicts, like it's hard for us to see the wreckage and the damage that we may have caused to other people that were in our lives. Because when we're first in this recovery thing, we're so focused, continuing, uh, continuing that same theme of, of self-centeredness. We're still, we're so focused on ourselves. We're so focused on, I'm not going to use anymore. I need to do these things to, to not go back to drinking or, or using drugs. And we're still so focused on ourselves of, of what we need to do to be in the right place, to make the right connections, to make sure we're, you know, attending meetings or whatever uh, recovery path it is that we choose that at least in the beginning, we don't really see uh, the effect of our usage on the people around us. So I love that you're stepping in and, and, being that that person that can help those people that that may still be struggling with what they've been through and what they've seen and what they've had to do and you know teach them ways to set healthy boundaries and like you're saying how to let go what does that mean you know because i think a lot of times we hear these different words we hear these terminologies of you know just let go or or whatever it may be, but, but nobody takes the time to explain it. It's like, okay, what does that mean? How do I do that? What am I letting go of? So I, I love that you're in this, this place where you're willing to help those people. And, and you also have that lived experience, like you mentioned, where, you know, if I'm going to a counselor or somebody that's an addiction, whatever, fill in the blank addiction counselor, and they've never walked the walk. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's not that I don't necessarily trust you, but it's like, what do you know about that? Like you've never been there. You've never experienced it. You don't know it. You don't know what it's like. So I love that you're using your experience and your education and all these tools have come together and, and you're here to, to help people that are struggling. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I just, I, again, I, it, I couldn't understand from, you know, we're living in the United States where we have so many different health uh, helpers out there to help us with a wide variety of things, whether we have, you know, diabetes or um, whether we have any type of health problem, heart problems. I mean, we're, we're known people that come from Europe to come to our hospitals and I'm, I'm here in Pittsburgh and I can say that from fact that people will go to Allegheny General Hospital here in Pittsburgh, you know, for a lung transplant, for any type of transplant, um, for brain surgery, which I just had on February the 16th. I mean, people come to the United States to seek out help. So why don't we have this one thing that we don't just need in, in the United States or Canada, but we need it globally. And the other reason I I'm so passionate about doing this is I know from my own experience that if you don't work on those traumatic issues and essentially it's all boiling down to 
trauma, these deep rooted, and I mean, black roots that are in your soul, not just in your heart, but if you don't pull those, um, those problems come back again and you have to keep relearning them over and over again until you get it right. I mean, that's the, you know, that's talked about by every um, talk show host. I mean, that's a regular discussion on Oprah Winfrey with Oprah Winfrey is if you don't deal with whatever's is issue is so repressed that you're going to be not only carrying it with you, but the same situations are going to keep repeating and coming to you. They're just going to be disguised differently. They're going to be with different individuals, but you're dealing with the same problem. And from my own experience as well, I mean, I remember going to college and just like wiping my brow and thinking, well, that was interesting. Don't want to go through that again, you know, and just thinking that was it. And I was too young to know at that point in time that if I hadn't dealt with it, then it would can follow me throughout life. Who wants to carry that type of baggage? Did you deep down in your soul want to really have an addiction? I know that there are people that don't. I feel badly for people that are smokers. I don't see, I don't shame them for it. I feel bad because I know deep down they really want to get rid of that addiction. And it's, it, from what I've understood, it's like the hardest one out there. So I'm compassionate. I'm empathetic for people that, that have that DNA gene. Again, you didn't ask to come into this world to have it. Um, and, we, and we all are fortunately born with something. So, you know, it's, it, it just goes back to my own experience and, and not having what I needed. And why not be the one person that starts? And then maybe it'll catch on. Because if, if I hadn't done the, the work, um, I would still be in the same place I was 20 years ago. Or you know, more importantly, I would have been dead from cancer. I knew that that was the main reason why I had to do the work was so I did, the cancer didn't come back. That was why I got the cancer, the stress and toxic toxicity from it all. So I pulled those roots and guess what? Now I'm 20 years free. But quite frankly, yeah, I wasn't supposed to be here today. I wasn't supposed to make it past five years. And that's a hard reality when you're 30 and you've lived your life to the best of your ability, you know, like going after what you're passionate about, you know, not trying to harm anyone, just going about your own business. So that that's in essence, this is what saved me. This is why I'm here today. And I've been cancer-free 20 years, which, again, is unheard of back then. I was told how long I would live for. It's weird at the age of 30 to make your own burial plans. At that point, you know, you're, you're starting to think about family. And, and that was the other thing is I lost the ability to have children. So that changed my plans for life all around. Um, changed everything around. So... You know, but that's that's the whole reason for me getting sick. And if there are a lot of other people that get sick from cancer and it's not in their gene pool, it must be from some sort of trauma, repressed, negative, toxic energy. That I swear to God, it goes into our soul. It's just so deep rooted. So if I can pull the roots and do the work that was required, even though I didn't ask to come into this world to have to do this that it must be my mission now to help other people. And in this pandemic, and thank, that's why I've launched it and really stepped, stepped on the, 
accelerator with it. After having done research for two years at Carnegie Mellon University, I had access to it here in Pittsburgh. So that that in itself was phenomenal. Um, you know, it's time to time to open up and and um, start helping other people. I love that. And we're kind of coming towards the end of the episode. Would you mind telling the listeners how they can find you, maybe a, a website or a social media profile or some way that they can get in contact with you if they're interested in the services that you're offering or if they have any kind of questions or anything along those lines? Sure. Um, the easiest way is to go to my website and there you can, it's called self S E L F as in Frank reliant.info so that's info as an in information self-reliant.info and there you're going to see my complete career background my athletic background a lot of which has sort of led me to this path today i do include the link to the linkedin profile so from there you can again see my credentials and learn more about me um, and then i have my instagram which i've actually posted my progress from the brain surgery, which quite frankly, I would have never done 20 years ago if we even had social media then, because um, I was just too private of an individual, but I posted my recovery from that. So that's where they can get the information. That's where they can contact me. And I'm more than happy to set up a free consultation to sort of talk through what they're working on, get my head wrapped around, no pun intended, what they're dealing with. And, um, and then you know, start setting plans toward their healing. Yeah. And I would definitely encourage the listeners to check out your website because I feel like today we just kind of scratched the surface of, of Beth. You've had so many different experiences and, you know, in the email that you sent me before the episode, I, I just I was like, man, is this person real? Like you, you have your, your athletic career, you've lived in all these different places. Uh, I mean, there's just so many chapters to your story. So I would really encourage the listeners to hop on your website and, and learn more about you. Cause you are a very fascinating person. And I'm, I'm really grateful that you came on the show today and, and, and share just a little piece of, of what it is that you're working on. So thank you. Oh, I appreciate it. And if I could just say one more thing on that website, as you know, are my blogs and those blogs are the actual content, real content that I found from a research I did at Carnegie Mellon University here in Pittsburgh. I, like I said, I have access to the library. Um, I am a very curious person. I'm a closet intellectual. I love to read. I love research. So all that information on those blogs is for other people to read. And yes, I realize we're in a state where everyone does videos, but you know what? Sometimes you got to read something. Mm. I'd encourage people to read it. If they want to print them out, print them out, take notes on it, because that's also part of the healing process. It's not just reading, but taking notes. And once you take notes, then it really gets cemented into your into your head. So I've just provided those topics, manipulation, codependency, toxic shame. Um, and I also did research on addiction so I could understand the chemical aspect of it because it's not fair for me to just focus on myself and not understand what the addict is going on the other side. That was part of my recovery. So please read those blogs to all the listeners um, because that information is for you. It will help. And it's sort of a stepping stone then um, before contacting me. Perfect. I appreciate you uh, kind of expanding on on that and, and letting the listeners know about the different blogs and the different topics that you have on your website. And 
and the links for those will be in the show notes. If you're on your phone, you can scroll down and you can see the different links and tap on those to, to see what we're discussing. Or if you're on your computer, I'm not exactly sure where they're at, but they're somewhere on your show notes. So, uh, Beth, thank you again for, for coming today. I really do appreciate you taking time out of your day and, and, and talking to us about codependency and, and all the different the different aspects of, of what the, the support people or, or people that are close to addicts, like what they go through and what they experience. I really do appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much for having me. Beth, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing some of the struggles that support people and family members have with uh, active addicts. Guys, I would really encourage you to head over to her website and check out her blog. She has tons of great content. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.